Well, in this holiday series of sermons, we're talking about the very first Christmas from Luke chapter 2. And we hope to get as close as we possibly can to the spirit and the tone of that very first Christmas. Last week, I talked about the first Christmas gift, remember? And today, I want to talk about the first Christmas greeting. It's not a Christmas card that's sent by Canada Post or delivered by UPS. It's a a greeting of 59 words spoken by an angel to a bunch of shepherds. And we're going to back it up this morning and read the entire story. We're actually starting today's message. The text is Luke chapter 2 verse 8, but I think it would be good if we started back at Luke chapter 2 verse 1 just to give us the context. So I invite you to follow along in your Bibles or on the screen. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So this first Christmas greeting was, first of all, a greeting of good news. The angel said, verse 10, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So the people had been waiting for this Messiah, this anointed one, this Christ, for so long, and now he had finally arrived. So this was good news for all the people. And that word translated good news is a word that appears in the Greek New Testament 27 times. So 27 times God repeats this idea of there being good news delivered to the people through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the good news. And I'm not sure about you, but I get tired of hearing all the bad news on the television and the radio when I'm driving in the car. Sadistic and vicious reports continually make the headlines, don't they? Bad news seems to sell better than good news. Bombings, murder, rape, fraud, the depressing accounts are endless. I mean, we've heard so much about Ferguson, Missouri, and Syria, and ISIS. You can almost hear the devil's sinister laugh as he endorses evil, promotes pessimism, and heightens hopelessness 
in the ears and hearts and minds of people when they listen to the news. Good news, on the other hand, is rather uplifting. It creates hope and it promotes peace. Many of you will know the story, but many years ago, Dr. Charles Sheldon, who was a pastor and also the author of that uh, very popular book, In His Steps, served as the editor-in-chief of a major newspaper for just a week. It was just a temporary assignment. But it was that, that assignment, that temporary assignment, was a result of a challenge. Dr. Sheldon, as a pastor, had actually challenged the newspapers to print the good news first. So they said, come on board and see if you can pull it off. Well, for a pastor to head up a group of hard-boiled reporters, that was news in itself. But actually, he was very successful in that short-term assignment. The very first thing he did was to bring about some drastic policy changes in the newsroom. No smoking, no swearing, uh, no drinking allowed in the office. (laughs) Good news stories appeared on the front page and all of the crime reports and the theatrical notices and the social events were buried somewhere in the middle. A story about a famine in India uh, carried with it an appeal and money flooded in. They, they raised over a million dollars in just a few days and sent that off to the need in India. Circulation skyrocketed when Dr. Sheldon was the editor-in-chief, which is proof enough that good news is popular. Patty and I enjoy watching the NBC Nightly News with Brian Williams. One of the most popular segments on the Nightly News is the last segment in the evening called making a difference. It's just as they are one story after the other about ordinary people who are making an extraordinary difference in the lives of people around them. It's a popular segment, I think, because it's upbeat and it's positive. It's good news at the end of the broadcast of all this other bad news. The stories are also, in my mind, the stories are also confirmation that the image of God is still somewhat recognizable in the neighbors that we have in the city. The the, the image of God, though though greatly tainted and marred by sin, is still recognizable in the people that live around us. Another favorite show of ours that we used to watch every Sunday was Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And I'm one of those guys that used to sit and cry as as the show went on. Felt like an idiot, but the stories were all so touching. And again, it's just a show about ordinary people helping other people cope with adverse circumstances. They build homes for needy families, and it's just so cool to watch the reactions of the family when everyone shouts, move that bus, and the family falls down crying and weeping. People love good news. That's why making a difference in Extreme Makeover Home Edition are so popular. So, folks, let's make sure that our friends and our family and our neighbors hear some good news of great joy from us this Christmas, shall we? Let's make sure they hear good news. Invite them into your home. Make some punch. Heat up some cider. Bake some cookies. Buy a cake. Invite them in. Enjoy some conversation. Reach out to the people around you. After all, it's Christmas. Remember the guy from last week who smuggled trucks? Huh? 
Don't miss the obvious. It's Christmas, and it's all about Jesus. The very first Christmas greeting was also a greeting for all the people. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, usually when you send a Christmas card to someone, the greeting is meant uh, only for those people who read the card, right? The greeting inside, the little personal note that you write, you wrote that to that person, and it's meant for them. So when you send a card to Uncle Joe and Aunt Mary, you don't really anticipate that the whole neighborhood is going to come over and read the greeting card, right? When you send a Christmas greeting or a Valentine greeting to your, to your boyfriend who lives in Toronto or Montreal or Cancun, you don't really re want everybody to read what you write in that card to your boyfriend. The intimacies that you write in that greeting card are meant only for that person. They're personal and private. But the very first Christmas greeting was a greeting for all the people. This good news of great joy is not just for the Jews. It's not just for the nation of Israel. It's not only for those who have it all together. It's not only for the poor. It's not only for extroverts. It's not only for those who dress right and look right and talk right. The good news of great joy is for all the people, all personalities, all nationalities, all sizes, all races, all languages. This good news of great joy is for all the people. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, the Son of God, walking toward him one day, exclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He bears the sin of all the people. And the Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever believes. So He offers salvation to all the people who believe in Him. Good news of great joy that will be for whosoever believeth. So do you have any of all the people in your neighborhood? Are any of all the people living on your street? Sure they are. Do you have any of all the people at your workplace? Of course. Do you have any of all the people at your school? Of course you do. <laughs> all of the people are here at Roseland. Folks, we need to share the good news of this Savior, Jesus, who has come with all the people, all the people that God places in our path, all the people that live and move and have their being around us. Let's not discriminate and share only with a few. Let's share with all that come across, all that we come across. The first Christmas greeting recorded in Luke chapter 2 was a greeting of good news. It was a greeting for all the people, but it was primarily a greeting that announces the Savior. The real focus, the really important part of this greeting is the content. I mean, the, the way it was delivered was pretty cool, you know? Angel in the sky and all that sort of thing. But we get lost in that. Our culture likes to make so much of that. You know, the angels and the tinsel and the star and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. It, it sure got the attention of the shepherds, let me tell you. But 
this greeting, the most important thing about this greeting is that it's a greeting that announces the Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Unto you is born this day a Savior? Do I really need a Savior? I mean, what's all the fuss about a, a Savior? I mean, I, 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 I know, I, I, I'm good friends with a, a number of people who are not followers of Jesus. They don't believe in a Savior. But, and they seem to be doing just fine on the outside. They seem to be doing just fine. And so we get tricked into thinking that because people look right and talk right and supposedly live right, that everything's all right. They don't really need what we have to offer. So why do those people who look like they're, they've got it together, why do they need a Savior? Why does anybody need a Savior for that matter? Well, the Bible says in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, that the Lord is not too weak to save you, and He's not becoming deaf. He can hear you when you call, but there is a problem. Your sins have cut you off from God. Because of your sin, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. You see, we, we, we desperately need a Savior because sin separates us from God. Sin creates a chasm. It creates such distance between us and God that, that we can't reach Him anymore. It creates a huge chasm between us and God. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so we need a Savior to get us back on the right track, to guide us back to the Father, because we've gone astray and selfishly turned inward to do our own thing, our own way, in our own time. Romans 3.23 states very clearly that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What do we mean by sin? Well, we define sin as any failure, any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, or nature. And so sin not only includes individual acts of sin, like, like murder or lying or, or stealing, but also attitudes that are contrary to the, to the moral law of God and the things that God requires of us. Anger, jealousy, selfishness, greed. They're all attitudes that are contrary to God. And when we, when we uh, give time and energy to those things, they become sin for us. Furthermore, our very nature, the, the internal character that is the essence of who we are as human beings is tainted by sin. And so we are sinful by nature. We're sinners by nature. We're sinners by birth. And we need saving. We need salvation. We need forgiveness. We need intervention. And so speaking to men and women who had at some point previously come to faith in Jesus Christ, Paul says that you were all dead. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins in which we all 
once walked. So he makes it very clear that, you know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that we, we, we all used to walk in, in these things. And we were all dead at one time, spiritually dead. I, I was quite intrigued, weren't you, with Teresa's story this morning and she talked about attending church, growing up in a religious home and yet not having a relationship with God, you see. And, and that, that happens. It happens all the time. That might be your experience this morning. You've grown up in a religious home, but you don't have a relationship with God. You have religion, but you don't have Jesus. So we need a Savior because we are spiritually dead without a Savior. We're dead spiritually. So there's absolutely nothing in us that can, 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 can please God as far as eternity goes. We need a Savior because we're living according to the passions of our flesh. And that always gets us into trouble, always. We need a Savior because by nature we are children of wrath. And that ain't no fun at all, to be a child of wrath. It's just not a fun thing. I'm still waiting for a Disney movie titled Children of Wrath. It's never going to happen. That's why this greeting of good news, of great joy for all the people about a Savior is such a, a life-changing thing. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12 that there, there is a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but, but it ends up in death every single time. If we go our own way, do things our own way instead of God's way, its end is the way of death. Nothing outside of Jesus works. This diagram illustrates that God is holy and human beings are sinful. A great gulf separates the two. The arrows show that man is continually trying to reach God through his own efforts, religion, morality, good works, philanthropy, philosophy, uh, you name it. And, and they all have some merit, to be sure, but none of them can bridge the gap between God and us. None of them can get us to God. That requires a Savior. That requires a sacrifice according to the law of God. And God sent His one and only Son to be our Savior. God sent Jesus to initiate the rescue mission. You didn't start the rescue mission. God did. Jesus provides access to God. He bridges the deep chasm between us and God, the chasm that's created by sin. At one point in his ministry, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man, no woman, no child comes to the Father except through me. That sounds rather exclusive, isn't it? It is. By taking a step of faith and by believing in Jesus today, you can turn your life around and, and it will be a brand new thing, a, a new beginning. You can turn around and have your life changed forever. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, anyone, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. My, my friends, the first Christmas greeting was a greeting of good news about a Savior for all the people. People like you and me. People like Teresa Umbenhauer 
who shared her story earlier in the service. And I think a similar greeting could be given today. Take a look at this verse from Revelation 3.20. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The image created by Revelation 3.20 is one of Jesus standing at a door, knocking, just waiting for someone to open the door. And His promise is if, you, if we open the door, He will come in. He will have fellowship with us. He will dine with us. He will eat with us. We will have fellowship together, in other words. There will be a, a relationship between us. But by faith, that door needs to be opened. Will you open the door today? Will you invite Jesus Christ to be your Savior today? Teresa talked about that date on November 2004. That day created a new destiny for her. And today may create a new destiny for you. Will you invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life today? The Savior is waiting today, right now. Jesus is waiting for you to open the door, to hear His voice, to open the door and invite Him to come in. You'll receive eternal life. You'll receive forgiveness for sin. You'll receive the hope of the gospel and the joy that accompanies all of that. And as Teresa talked about, a relationship with God the Father. Let's pray together, shall we? Dear Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that you will draw each one of us and that you will draw near to each one of us as we consider what we've heard this morning from the scriptures. Holy Spirit, as you hover over this meeting, this church service today, I think there might be people here who are ready and eager to open the door by faith, and allow you to come, be part of their lives, to repent of their sins, to invite Jesus Christ to be Savior and Lord. We would be so happy for that to happen today. And if you're at that point, my friend, all you need to do is pray a simple prayer of of faith, believing faith, that goes something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you Please forgive me for my sins. I turn away from my sinful nature and the acts of sin that I have done, and I turn toward you in faith. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I understand today that Christmas is not just about a baby being born, but a baby being born to die, to take my place, to die in my place, to pay the penalty for my sins. And Lord Jesus, I accept that. I receive that today as a gift. I believe in you. I receive you as my Savior and Lord today. And Father, I pray that you will solidify this fresh commitment that some here this morning might be making today. I pray that they might have the courage to tell me or to tell a friend they've come with today that they prayed that prayer with the pastor that they open the door of 
faith to Jesus Christ, the only one who can save them. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. I pray that they might have the courage and the boldness to say, yes, I prayed that prayer. I believe in Jesus today. He is my Savior. And we'll give you all of the praise and glory, Lord Jesus. You deserve it all. It's our our joy and our privilege to serve you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.